Hi, this is Daniel James, and this is the podcast of Triple R's The Mission, a weekly radio show exploring the issues that impact the lives of Aboriginal people and those at the wrong end of social justice in this country. The Mission is broadcast live on Triple R each Tuesday evening. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website. Well, good evening. Welcome to episode 000045 of The Mission. My name is Daniel James. I'll be your host through to eight this evening. I'd like to start off, as always, by acknowledging the traditional owners from where I'm broadcasting, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging, and also extend a warm welcome and um, hope you're enjoying the show to any other mob that might be out there listening this evening. I'll tell you what, it's been a um, beautiful day here in Melbourne. I reckon autumn's the best time of the year in this uh, town, in this little micro-climate of ours. Um, but in terms of uh, what's been going on now, besides the coronavirus, one of the main topics of conversation in recent weeks has been the sports rorts affair. You know, the one where the Morrison government thought it was going to lose the election and in a last-ditch attempt to save themselves, awarded tens of millions of dollars of sports grants to marginal seats against the clear advice of Sports Australia, the independent body that assessed grants from community organisations. You know the one. Well, it was revealed yesterday in the, uh, in, in the Guardian, which has been doing some excellent reporting recently, I must say, around Indigenous issues, that um, it was reported that uh, mining giant Fortescue Metals, retail giant West Farmers, Two NRL clubs and a Catholic and Anglican welfare organisations were awarded millions of dollars from a fund for alleviating Indigenous disadvantage. This was uh, dished out by the former Indigenous Affairs Minister Nigel Scullion. Uh, He approved more than $560 million worth of funding in the final six weeks in the role ahead of the announcement of the federal election in 2019. The funds, which uh, were drawn from the Indigenous Advancement Strategy, were um, approved on the 5th of April 2009, just six days before the Morrison government went into te- caretaker mode. So, again, this is money that was meant for community organisations, Indigenous community organisations largely, working on the front line to try and close the gap, represent their communities and generally improve the health and well-being of their mob, of our mob. And what happens is that time and time again, Aboriginal people uh, and uh, the communities that they represent are asked to go into negotiations with governments of all persuasions in good faith. But uh, it would seem, you know, much of the time that that is just a complete, complete waste of time. That's why it's important to remain forever vigilant because um, when you have money that's meant for the most disadvantaged group in society and it ends up in the coffers of Fortescue Metal, owned by the sometimes richest man in the country, Twiggy Forrester, you know we still have such a long way to go. So it's up to all of us to make sure that um, we pay attention to these things and just don't become complacent and just say, OK, well, it's just government being government. It's wrong, it's not just, and uh, it needs to be rectified. But in terms of tonight's show... Um, We've got three guests tonight, so I've got to get a move on here. Um, so there won't be too much music played, but there will be plenty of interesting conversation. So later on in the show, I'll be talking to author and activist Thomas Mayer. He, um, we'll talk about all things Indigenous affairs. 
Um, at around about 7.30, we'll be talking to Triple R's Neil Morrison. Neil, Neil Morris, sorry. Um, he'll be performing at the Two Worlds Festival this Saturday, but um, uh, he'll come in for a yarn and we'll talk about that. We'll talk about other things too. Maybe I can persuade him to stick around for a little bit. But uh, in a moment, I'll be yarning with Tony Armstrong, the new co-host of uh, NITV's new footy show, uh, UK. Uh, you may know that um, Mangrook finished up last year and uh, NITV uh, have launched a new football show that will be co-hosted by um, Tony, amongst others. So we'll talk to him in a moment. Uh, as always, you can contact me via uh, Twitter. Uh, my handle is at Mr. DT James. This is the mission on Triple R 102.7 FM. Triple R on FM, digital, online, via the app. All right, so to our first guest, um, the um, National Indigenous Television is a broadcaster and they are launching a new football show that will um, commence on the... 18th of March, and it's called Yukai. And one of the guests, or one of the co hosts of um, said show is Tony Armstrong. Now, he is a, um, a former football player. He played for Collingwood, Adelaide, and, and Sydney. He's only a young man. He's only still about uh, 29, 30 years old. He's a um, Baron Binya man. And um, they're revamping the the way that they approach uh, the, the coverage of football in NITV, and they're doing it in partnership with um, the AFL. So it's really important. We have over ten percent of uh, AFL players actually Indigenous at the moment. So it's it's important that the media that covers that sport, that beloved sport of ours in this town, uh, reflects the diversity that we see on the field. And Tony is on the line with us now. Thank you so much for your time, Tony. It's a pleasure to be here. How are you going? Very, very good. Congratulations, first of all. This is um, exciting times for you. Yeah, no, it's um, very exciting times, uh, both personally and, I guess, for the community at large. Um, uh, always important to have uh, Indigenous representation on TV, um, especially covering um, AFL footy. I heard you off the top there talk about the stats. Uh, we make up 10% of the AFL, but I... I would dare say we wouldn't make up a percent of uh, the media who cover it. So absolutely not. A, no, it's always good to get a bit more representation from a media point of view, and um, you know, hopefully the show's a big success and people tune in and we have a bit of fun doing it. Well, one thing I know for sure is that um, the three of you, um, and you'd be joined yeah. by Bianca Hunt, who is um, an AFLW advocate and youth pioneer, and of course <clears throat> uh, Daryl White, who was. Um, you know, played a couple hundred games with uh, one of the greatest football sides of all time, the Brisbane Bears, back in their uh, golden period of the early 2000s. One thing for yeah. sure is that um, the three of you will undoubtedly bring energy to the show. Yeah, no, of course. I think um, I think what's really nice from a chemistry point of view is that we're all different ages. Um, we've all had quite different experiences growing up, but then what brings us together is, our, I guess, our Aboriginality. And, um, you know, it's always it's always fun. When uh, when we get together, we we all bring a bit of bounce. No one takes themselves too seriously. So, I think with that in mind, we've got um, we've got an exciting show to come. What um, what can people expect to see? Well, I think it's um, it's less of a footy show, more of an entertainment show. Right. Um, we aren't going to be talking too much kicks, marks, and handballs. I mean, there's there's three hundred thirty seven thousand other shows <laughs> that um, do that. 
So um, I think I think we're gonna we're gonna try to I guess look at look at footy through an indigenous lens, and that and that means us having a bit of fun with it, and um, you know just uh, I guess giving our unique perspective on what footy is, and you know we'll be taking the Mickey out of not just ourselves but um, the players who come on too. So um, yeah, I think I think it'll be. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit different to your standard kicks, marks, and handball show. Yeah, no, I think that's great because, um, you like you said, there are you know thousands of people covering AFL football in this town alone, really, and yeah. the amount of people that take that seriously and therefore themselves seriously can be quite uh, nauseating at times. So, you know, a new show oh, coming very seriously. Okay, so you just no. <laughs> Um, now you were you um, did some broadcasting with Triple M last year. Yeah, actually, match so, calling. Yeah, so I um, last year was lucky enough to be to become the first Indigenous person to um, commentate AFL on um, commercial radio. Um, so that was a pretty big thing um, for me in the community, and um, I'll be doing more of that again this year, but not just on. Um, Triple M, but also with the National Indigenous Radio Service too. So fantastic! Continuing, yeah, continuing to hone my craft and um, you know try to be um, someone who can, I guess, uh, inspire others to to get behind the mic or get on screen because I think it's really important from a representation point of view. Yeah, well, you've got you've literally well not literally but you've got a bullet next to your name and in a good way and that's uh, good for um for um for blackfellas. Yeah, I think so. Um. Just before I uh, I'll let you go, and I'll give the details of where we can see the show in a sec. How far Richmond for the Premiership this year? Well, hang on, hang on. Sorry, hmm? that sounded like a leading question. Uh, <laughs> 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 hmm? Do you think Richmond's going to win the thing, do you? I can't see how us will challenge them this year. I really can't. No, oh, well, I mean, there's no point, you know, talking to someone who's <laughs> obviously got got as little idea as as, as you think. <laughs> <laughs> No, I think I think Richmond will be quite hard to beat. I mean, um, they're an amazing side, and if they can stay, well, they didn't even have to stay injury free. But if they can keep a, a pretty full bill of health, they'll be hard to beat. I think I think um, GWS has got a real point to prove as well. So if they can keep their men on the park, I think I think they'll go a long way towards um, taking home the chocolates this year too. Yeah, I could see I could see G- GWS coming out really mean and fierce this year, and if they. Um keep themselves fit, they're always going to be there and bouts, because um, I think I heard uh, I, th- I heard um, uh, what's his name, the, the former um, uh, coach of Port Adelaide, he was involved with GWS for a while um, uh, oh, Michael uh, Williams um, oh, Mark Williams, Mark Williams yeah. yeah and I heard him late last year sort of saying um, in the football season that those boys are the best of the best and they've been picked at an early age and they have not only a belief, but an expectation that they're going to win a flag at some point. So yeah. um, they want to, they're going to want to get it done in the next couple of years, so we'll keep an eye on them. But in terms of um, NITV, Yukai will be screening on Wednesday, 18th of March from 8pm on NITV. And you can also see it on Fridays at 3pm on SBS Viceland. And of course, you can always catch up on SBS On Demand. I've been speaking with uh, Tony Armstrong, one of the co-hosts and um, emerging media personality. Thanks so much for your time, Tony. No, an absolute pleasure. You have a great one. You too. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. To find out more about Triple R or to explore many more shows, podcasts, articles, videos and interviews, 
head to the Triple R website at rrr.org.au. Uh, I should mention before um, uh, Neil um, arrives and comes in, is that the mission is actually now available as a podcast via your favourite uh, podcatcher. So if you just go to your favourite podcatcher, whatever that might be, um, and just type in the mission, hopefully you'll see the artwork for the program, and you'll see every sort of major bit of the show recorded from last year and um, some from this year. Uh, you can listen to my conversation with Bruce Pascoe or Marcia Langton or Stan Grant or Melissa Lukashenko or Tyson Yukampora or oh, there's just so many. Jill Gallagher, former native, um, former treaty negotiation uh, commissioner. So, um, and if you do go there, maybe if you like what you hear, you could actually leave a nice review or give it um, four or five stars, depending on the way you feel, the way you got out of bed in the morning, because um, as I understand it, that helps the podcast become more visible in whichever podcatcher you might be using. And I see you, Neil Morris. <laughs> I see you as well, Daniel James. <laughs> Welcome to um, Triple R, your home away from home. Um, you're a busy lad, very busy lad. You're a yorta yorta man, so hence yes. the good looks. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and you'll be uh, partaking in the uh, Two Worlds Festival this Saturday. I will be, yes. It um, should be an interesting experience. Yeah, there's a, a great lineup um, of, of some of my favourite artists uh, Emma Donovan, Yermore, mm. uh, Black Rock Band, Uncle Kutcher Edwards. Looking forward to it. Yeah, um, I think the weather's going to be okay, so that's great. So it goes from 11.30 to 11pm this Saturday, uh, March 14th at uh, Birrarung Ma. And um, like you said, you know, you've got Emin Donovan, the putbacks, Casey Chambers, your good self, Xavier Rudd, the Black Rock Band, Kutcher Edwards, the Jiri Jiri Dancers will be there, and there'll be charcoal lane cooking demonstrations and kids' activities too. Sounds, uh, so it sounds like a real, um, you know, family-orientated program so that's that's great except for my content <laughs> well just watch it with the swears in front of the little kitties wear <laughs> <laughs> and the anger at politicians <laughs> well there's a lot to be angry about isn't there there is yeah uh, um i don't know whether you heard the top of the show but i was just talking um just did a bit of a spiel about the 560 million dollars that um uh, the former Aboriginal Affairs Minister Nigel Scullion spent in the days leading up to last election and didn't actually go to uh, Indigenous communities and went to Fortescue Medals and um, West Farmers and a couple of NRL clubs. Um, does that, um, you know, there's plenty of anger to draw upon to, to drive your type of performance, isn't mm. there? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, a lot of pain. A lot of anguish, a lot of torment, a lot of ongoing torture mm. of First Nations peoples, and um, you know, exploring the content that I do, um, you know, you put yourself in a position to receive, and and uh, you know, it's a, a voluntary engagement, I suppose, with a lot of that that feeling of the ongoing oppression and, and colonial impact on First Nations peoples. So, um, when you take that into the performance space, there's definitely a very particular energy um, that that I do feel, and you know, certainly a, a sense of um, pain, and it could be described as anger, um, whether that's from myself or ancestral energies and other things like that. Yeah. There's a lot there. 
Yeah, no, it's, it's um, something that would carry be carried through the generations to you, no doubt whatsoever. Now, what a lot of people don't actually know about you is that you could have chosen several genres of music to, to perform and to get your message out. Um, why did you end up with hip-hop? I feel that it was a very... Um, it was almost a compelling thing, I would say. Um, you know, I'd explored quite a few different genres of music and... I'm a, I'm a music lover. Um, mm. Broadly speaking, I, I have so much passion for um, and respect for musicians of all walks of life and um, admire the, the craftsmanship of of different genres. And again, I, I've explored bits and pieces of that and st- still definitely have big visions to do that mm. in the future. But definitely, um, you know, the forces that be that led me to go down the path of hip-hop, for me, I feel it was very much this, this compelled sense of... Um, the robustness in the way you can get a message out which is quite clear uh, potentially and you can put a lot of content in there and yeah. certainly having grown up on hip-hop there is a momentum about hip-hop that there's something about it that has an ability to cut through to people and not to say that it necessarily does that better than any other genre but um having also been a spoken word artist i guess I was well versed in, in the use of voice in a rhythmic kind of way, and, mm. and, it, and it made sense that you know exploring hip hop could be valid and it could have use and it could be a, a great uh, you know convey about, so to speak, for messages. Yeah. And it, it turned out to work okay for me so far. Yeah, it's going it's going all right for you. Um, yeah, one thing one thing with hip hop in particular is <clears throat> I find when it's when it's done really well. Those straight and direct lines of communications of communication is very apparent, and that, that's what I find with your work. You know, you, you know by the time you finish listening to one of your pieces, what the message is and where you stand on that particular issue. Is, is that is that your intent? Yeah, there's multiple um, intents, I guess. Um, you know, for me, there's just so much truth telling that needs to continue to be done, and and. In, and you know healing is a part of that process and um one thing it may or may not come through my music but but ultimately i ache for healing in this country Mm. more than anything um i want our people to be healed first and foremost i want the land to be healed and i'm devastated at the the way that everybody is living in this country for them as well they are missing out there's this great Mm. sense of beauty that everybody's missing out on because of the the intense disregard for the sacred laws that were in place in this land prior to colonization so for me it is about healing but there is a lot of truth telling and i think people need to be sobered there, there needs to be a sobering process because there's this um there's a dream going on um which is our dream and our dreaming which is ongoing mm. but there's this dreamlike state of um intoxication that that is not seen clear, and so for me, using uh, this this kind of medium with the hip hop, you know, I, I really hope that it, that it can have a sobering impact, and potentially that you know that opens hearts mm. that could be a little bit closed, or um, you know, if people need to be a little bit empowered when they walk away, that you know that's something they can get out of the performance as well. But ultimately, it is about um, you know binding people for a brighter future. Now, do you think in a um, in a in a perverse sort of way, the the devastating bushfires that you know, you know have occurred all throughout summer and, and before that, 
brings the general population around to having a somewhat of a better understanding of what it is like to see your land devastated and then therefore think about your place and your relationship with the land and so do you think that there's an opportunity now to um, have have those meaningful dialogues and discussions with with the broader population on okay look we've been custodians of this land for at least 60,000 years we've looked after it um, don't you think we've all got a role now together to 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 care for the land and to help it heal I feel that there there is some truth in in that observation in that we've always since colonization has been here we 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 see things that maybe certain parts and pockets of the population may not in terms of how deep those fractures and the injury is Mm. to this place. We feel it on a spiritual um, domain and a spiritual level that without having the ability to see that physically right in front of them, at least on a personal level, I haven't felt that certain people could engage with, with that deep, deep level of pain that First Nations peoples um, carry with us intergenerationally. Mm. So to, to put that right in front of people, it, it's, it's. I did definitely feel like there was a moment in time in the midst of the depths of those fires where it was like, what you're seeing now, mm. that's how we feel every day. Yeah, What you're feeling right now, we feel that and we've been feeling that our whole lives. And it, it's really devastating that like it, it makes me sad right now i feel like i'm gonna cry like mm. even just talking about it thinking this is a moment in time where people could finally be like you know what whatever you feel i'm feeling that right now and let's come on a journey together yeah and that's that's the importance of um the work that you do as a as an activist and an artist that's the um hopefully the importance of shows like this um there are a whole bunch of Aboriginal people that um, put themselves through trauma to advocate on behalf of their own people on a daily basis, and the the, the trick will be is to just try and get the the broader community to remember that feeling, remember how they felt, and remember how helpless they felt, and they have an opportunity to do something about that with us, and we can learn together. Um, before I let you go. Um, what are you working on at the moment? You got any um, recordings or? Yeah, life's been really um, busy, just man. Mind blowing. Um, start to a year, um, if there ever had been one in my life. Um, obviously, you know, amidst the fires, I started a fundraiser, which um, has taken a large percentage of my focus so far this year. It really but, went um, off. It, it went somewhere, and. Um, and, you know, the biggest thing on my heart, honestly, at the moment is that our people don't have to continue to suffer and that, you know, those communities that got impacted on by the fires, that when all is said and done in a couple of years' time, we can look back and hopefully say that everybody's on a pathway to empowerment. Mm. And, um, you know, with my music internally, that's... I guess it's really impacted me quite deeply in terms of my art and and making sure every single time that I step on a stage and every single piece of work that I write that it and it's always been that way with my work but you know further reinforce that with me that 
if I'm going to be doing music instead of being out in the community directly um, dealing with the empowerment of our people, because that's where I could be all the time, mm. but I'm on a music stage or I'm recording music, it's got to be having that impact to liberate our people. So for me, a lot of thinking and a lot of uh, you know internal processing of, you know, as I move forward with my music, making sure that I... Uh, fully realize the depth of each moment and present that to the most fullest extent that I can. That's uh, from from my understanding, that's what all the great artists do is is to to capture that feeling and, and present it to you in the moment and, and convey that feeling. Now you can see Neil in the moment this Saturday at uh, the Two Worlds Festival, Saturday 14th of March at Birurangma. Starts at 11.30, goes through to 11pm. Uh, a range of um, really great guests, and um, of course you can hear Neil on one pm. One pm's on Sunday with um, Steel here. <laughs> Turn your phone off. You're supposed to be a radio professional. Bloody hell! Uh, <laughs> thanks so much for coming in, brother. Such a pleasure. Thank you, brother. Triple R on FM, digital, online, and via the app. Uh, the, the the show just keeps rolling on. I'm, I'm on to my third and uh, final guest, and um, uh, quite the guest, quite the guest it is too. To be to be honest, I'd like to thank Neil for uh, what I thought was a, a lovely little chat. But uh, now I'm moving on to the one and only Thomas Mayer. Mayer, sorry, he's a Torres Strait Islander man born on Lakiria, sorry, Larakia country in Darwin. He's been a uh, wharf labourer from the age of 17 until he became a union official for the Maritime Union of Australia in his early 30s. He's applied those skills that he picked up as a unionist negotiator to advance the rights for, of Indigenous people. And uh, he became become a uh, signatory to the Uluru Statement from the Heart and he's a tireless campaigner. He's also a, um, uh, a brilliant writer. He has uh, a book out at the moment called Finding the Heart of the Nation which is all in all good bookstores. I've spoken to him previously on the mission, and I'm speaking to him now online. Thomas, welcome. Thanks, Daniel. Good to be on again, mate. Yeah, it's, um, I thought I'd get you on. I'm going to start speaking to people from, you know, across the, across the spectrum, I suppose, in terms of uh, Aboriginal act- activists and, 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 and writers, just to get a uh, basically a temperature test of the way people are seeing the way Indigenous affairs is going at the moment, some of the um, the broad issues that still still confront us. So um, I thought I'd get you on and uh, have a yak about that sort of thing, if that's all right. Yeah, that's good, mate. Plenty to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. I um, did a bit of a, um editorial, you know, um, you know, got on my soapbox and did a bit of an editorial about uh, the disgraceful allocation of Indigenous funds to Fortescue Menels West Farmers by the former Indigenous Affairs Minister Nigel Scullion. Uh, how, how can you fathom why that happened? Oh, I just think it's a complete ignorance of the needs of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. The last thing we need is for a rich mining boss to get money to... Um, to employ our people when it's doubtful that he even does that. I mean, I mean, if the, the company's making millions of dollars anyway, shouldn't that be his obligation? I mean, he's picking up Aboriginal land to begin with. Uh, I just think it's a disgusting decision and uh, just shows that 
um, you know, people like Scully, and they're getting away with this, and we need to do better at holding them to account. One of the things, the one of the things that sort of that, that really irks me about it is that it, it's going to, it's gone, it's gone to, you know, for profit companies. You know, companies if they're actually serious about. Um, tackling, you know, Indigenous employment or Indigenous disadvantage through some um, philanthropic work, why aren't they able to take the, you know, some of the billions and billions of dollars that they uh, profit and, and put that where their money is instead of using taxpayer money that is actually supposed to be allocated to mob on the ground fighting the fight? Well, the reality is it gets worse. These companies don't even pay tax. Yeah, um, is that... they pay less tax than, than you and I, brother. You know. Um, yeah, that's right. Extent. They should be they should be um, employing people. That's just what they should be doing. Yeah, Paying yeah. People up, you know. Yeah, I think it's a disgrace. And of course, now we see um, with the the current Indigenous um, the Minister for Indigenous Australians, Ken White. Now, I have um, I have some sympathy for for Ken that uh, he is in a coalition government that. Is probably one of the most conservative governments that we've uh, seen for um, a long time, especially in modern times. Um, but he is charged, of course, with bringing some form of constitutional recognition to the uh, the, the racist document, I guess, that is the Australian Constitution. Um, and of course, part of that process has been to reject adopting the Uluru Statement from from the heart. How do you see the movement towards that constitutional recognition travelling at the moment, Thomas? Well, I, I don't have a lot of sympathy for Ken's position. I mean, he's Didn't think he would. a conservative government in the first place. I mean, how you can um, throw your lot in with uh, with some of those right-wing people, you know, God knows. But, but you know, he has, a, he has everything that he needs to get the job done, though, and that's the opportunity that he has. Um, you know, the wonderful consensus at Uluru. Um, powerful but reasonable proposals that are, you know, constitutionally conservative, um, yet, uh, you know, can can address the racism that is in the Constitution and the ignorance of First Nations people from 1901 by giving us a, a right, a constitutional right, to always be heard in the centre of decision-making. I mean, it's a great opportunity. And the campaign is going really well. Um, the amount of people that um, have jumped on board of this the people from the across uh, people and organisations from across the political spectrum supporting this campaign. Um, all he needs to do is give the leadership, and that's all the government needs to do. And we can win a, a referendum that is rare um, to achieve in this country, and that's um, it could be like sixty-seven, more than ninety percent support. Now you 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 mentioned the campaign. You're still travelling around the country um, promoting the Uluru Statement, but also um, your book as well. Um, and you're 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 saying that the you know there is you know in the people with the people you speak to sort of overwhelming support to to get around sort of meaningful constitutional recognition. Yeah, it, the book has made a real difference. I think it helps people understand um, the the nuances of the reforms, but also it gives them an opportunity to see to hear voices that they wouldn't normally hear. You know. Mm. Um, you know, when we're only three percent of the population, it's difficult to get our message out, and it's difficult for people to, to um, you know, especially uh, in in places where um, you know they're, they're separate from uh, you know the difficulty in remote communities and that. Um, this book really gives them an opportunity to see um, why a voice is needed. 
Yeah, and it's like I said, it's available in um, all good bookstores. What What's next for you? I mean, I should I should also mention that you got. Um, uh, uh, it's not runner-up, but you got a commendation from the judges of the Horn Prize for your um, for your essay, which I have not yet read because I haven't seen it published anywhere. So correct me if it's wrong, if I'm wrong. Um, do you want to tell us about um, about that essay? Yeah, mate. The um, the essay was about the Gurindji people. It hasn't been published yet, but it did get a high commendation. It did. I'm just reworking it uh, to to get it published because um, I want to want to really make sure that it hits the point. Um, you know, even better than what I had. But really, it's about it's about the Gurindji people and uh, my experiences with them, and uh, the reality that um, the the dream that the Gurindji people had to run their own cattle station and enjoy their country, um, you know, without um, the imposition of uh, you know white fella um, ways of doing things, has not been realised because um, despite gaining a handful of sand. Um, from Gotham mm. when he was Prime Minister um, and, and getting access to that land. It was a lease, actually, and um, the reality of it was that it was a, a, an excise, um, excise land from Vestey's uh, existing lease, and he was very well compensated. Um, but it was a win, you know, and, and we did... Um, Gurindji people did regain some land, but the laws and policies and the regulations around how they ran their cattle station um, still held them back from realising their dream. And so um, they had a handful of sand, but they didn't have a voice. Mm. And that's part of the point of that essay. And the other thing is, having run around the country, uh, the, the Lingiari, the, the electorate um, that the Gurindji people are in, um, in the lead-up to the federal election in May 2018, last year, uh, sorry, 2019, the, um, I, I saw the stark contrast or the... The starkness of the um, the failures of our democracy, um, that we are only 3% of the population, um, and how I, I saw how a lot of our people don't even reach the ballot box because um, of impoverishment, because we live remotely, um, and the ballot box is only in those communities for a couple of hours and then they move on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of mob around country practising uh, culture or... Um, earning a living, taking tourists around, and they didn't even get to vote. And so you've got a parliament that we do not elect um, because we're 3% of the, or less than 3% of the population engaged in the democracy, um, and therefore a parliament that does not represent us and is indifferent, um, as we see in Scullion, to our plight, you know, and quite, quite um, deceitful in the way that they represent us as well. And so that's why we need an enhanced voice. It's the first step to addressing our issues and holding um, people like Scullion that are ripping us off accountable. Well, continue to fight the good fight, brother. You do a tremendous job. You're you're a great voice. You're um, a deep voice, <laughs> um, but you, there's a, there's a lot of lot of substance behind that voice. And I can't wait to um, to read that essay. But um, once again, if people want to um, uh, have a clear understanding of the process around the development of the Uluru Statement and, and where we take it from here, uh, Finding the Heart of the Nation is Thomas's book and it is now available in all good bookstores. And it's um, in stock. I saw it um, in a bookstore in Carlton on uh, Saturday or Sunday, whenever it was. So, um, Thomas, thank you very much yeah, for your I've got time. A children's version coming out too, brother. You got a children's version coming out? Yeah, yeah, it comes out in June. It's called Finding Our Heart. Um, and I wrote it because I know that kids are teaching um, 
adults yep. about uh, about our culture and uh, and our issues. Um, and so I thought a children's book would uh, would really help the movement as well. So that comes out soon. Brilliant. We'll get you back on to talk about that when it comes out. Thanks, brother. Thanks, Thomas. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's The Mission, a weekly radio show exploring the issues that impact the lives of Aboriginal people and those at the wrong end of social justice in this country. The Mission is broadcast live on Triple R every Tuesday evening. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast and feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website. <laughs>